This is the right direction where we talk to professional storytellers and writers and we discuss their craft and how they sell it. I'm your host, AG McDonald, and let's get started with the show. All right, so we are here today with Savvy, who is a an author, a small business owner, and a small business champion, I guess I would say. Like you <laughs> you are definitely champion the small businesses. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's me. I'm Savvy. Hello. Because you have such a strong business focus, I thought what we would talk about is being an author through the lens of being a small business owner. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's how I view it. So I think that's a great topic. Yeah. And and also a great topic because you have a book that I'm currently working through on this very topic of being a small business owner. Yay. I'm so glad you're reading it. Oh, it's really good. And I'll tell you one thing that's really good about it is just in the beginning, you say straight up, I'm not going to promise you that you're going to become famous and you know, you're you're never going to like, you're just going to be happy for the rest of your life. You're going to get this happily ever after. Like you don't make those unrealistic promises that have made like self-help books. Like a a parody of themselves. I feel like there's so many books out there, especially targeted at uh, people who want to run a business where they, it seems like the end goal is always like extreme wealth or the end goal is like becoming a billionaire or a multimillionaire. It's like, that doesn't have to be the end goal. You can run a business that pays you an average amount of money and you just do that full time. And that can just be your life. You don't always have to be striving to be incredibly wealthy. And I know some people want it, want that. And like, that's fine. But I don't think that's necessary in order to be a successful business owner. So I was like, you know, I'm just like a, a average to below average income person. I don't know how to tell you how to make millions of dollars, but I'll tell you what I did to have a business that that like is fairly successful, successful enough to still be in operation. There you go. Yeah, I mean, that's that's <laughs> the tick of approval if ever I've heard it. Well, because the thing is, I guess that you can kind of do something on a smaller scale, but if you love it the fact that you're not earning millions of dollars kind of doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. I have no need to earn millions of like, like, as I always thought, like if I got rich, the only thing I would do is I would not retire and like go buy a house somewhere. Like I would probably just save it so that I could keep running a business and not ever have to worry. You know, you could could have one of those vanity businesses. Like, you know how how they have them in the wealthy areas. Sorry. The doorbell rang and now my dog is going wild. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's okay. And like, I guess, cause I mean, I don't have a huge, um, business background or anything, so I can't really speak from personal experience, but if, if I was to equate it to something, you know, you and I met through the book community online. Yeah. yeah. So many people on there see that as a goal to like becoming a traditionally published author or they want to become yeah. some like huge subscriber based influencer and things like that. But when I joined, I was like, I just want to talk about books and I just want to yeah. like do creative <laughs> things and have fun with it. And and that's kind of the approach that I take. So if, if ever I was to go out on my own, you know, with a small business or something like that would be the philosophy that I would have. Like if I'm not having fun, then I, I don't think I'm doing it right. Yeah. And I, I think that's important. Um, Yeah, when I started uh, making booktube type of videos, my goal was really to, I guess it it was it was like a a two sided goal. I wanted to 
well, I just really like making videos. So I just wanted to make videos and I wanted to meet people who also both enjoyed reading and enjoyed making videos because I thought that we'd have a lot of things in common and I'd make some online friends, which turned out to be necessary now that we're all stuck in our houses yeah, and I, mean, I can't who, go see friends Who knew in person. that was going to happen? So it was good timing, I guess, for me to do that. Um, but yeah, that was, and then also I was trying to figure out how to grow my just general online presence, grow my social media presence for from like a small business owner perspective. So, I mean, part of it, I'll be honest, part of the goal was that I wanted to build an author platform, but then I ended up making so many amazing friends and I was like, this is way better than I ever could have imagined. And, and starting my YouTube channel was not easy. I, I struggled with figuring out how to get people to notice it for the longest time, but now it's doing well. So it's like, it's a whole trial and error thing. But do you think that, and we're going to move a little bit to the side here, but do you think that's because you sort of shifted from that book community into like the anti-MLM community? I definitely think that's part of it. Yeah. I think that having, having more than one topic, I guess, as long as they're loosely connected, like, right. Like if I suddenly became like uh what's some some kind of channel that would make like no sense makeup or something, make if I became like a beauty channel or like a, like a, uh, mukbang channel or something yeah. that's just totally unrelated like that would be kind of weird but I guess you did have fact- a nice bridge because you were starting to look at MLM books and and you kind of right, had like a nice exactly, easing because- people into it yeah, because for me, it's all connected. Like, I never feel like, I don't think I moved away from the book community necessarily. I kind of stopped making like the TBR and wrap up and those kind of videos just because like, I they just got kind of like formulaic after a while and I wanted to try new things. Yeah. But I I definitely think I still make a ton of book videos and it's connected for me because it's like, I write books. I write books and produce books as part of my business as a business owner. I have issues with the ethics surrounding MLM companies. There's also an MLM company that produces books that I've been trying to fight with for a long time. There's that. And then there's also the fact that a lot of the books I review are business books because that's lately has been the majority of what I've been reading just because I'm trying to learn more as I don't have a formal business education. So I'm trying to learn more as I I grow. And I found some that I like, and I found a lot that I hate and people like it when I complain on the internet. So, (laughs) so that's how it kind of all connected for me. And I'm like, but I guess that having having that different thing helped me stand out as well, because there's, there's a bunch of anti MLM channels also probably, I don't, I think the audience for anti MLM is bigger than for booktube, but the number of channels is smaller, but there are a lot of channels for it. And I didn't want to just do the same thing. I want to have something that made me stand out as well. So my thing is that, you know, I'm looking at everything from an author in a book, book perspective and a small business owner perspective. And then in the booktube side of my channel, I'm looking at books, from a business perspective. So it's kind of connected. So you're kind of blending the two together. Yeah, I was trying to blend the two together. Now it doesn't always necessarily work. I definitely have people that only watch one or the other kind of those videos. But um, sometimes, sometimes the, I mean, honestly, I I hate this, but Rachel Hollis is where the intersection is. That's just the truth because I'm always reviewing her Your names are kind of tied together at this point. Yeah, she's like, she and I are like destined to, to, to battle. battle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess since you're saying that, you know, you want to battle this um, publishing MLM, um, mm. maybe you could use this as a platform for that and talk about like what exactly should people avoid if they're looking to 
to go the indie route? Like what should they look out for in publishers that could be trying to scam them? So there's a variety of things. I'm actually going to, I have a, I'm in the process of reading a book that I'm going to be doing a review on that is going to be talking about um, how the indie author world could go the MLM route if you're not careful, which I've actually kind of made a video on already, but I, I put Rachel Hollis's name in the title because it was also about her. So it was like, I got plus like everyone's going to click if they're that. thinking, oh, she's so, having another go at her. Yeah, so I talked about both those things in there, but it was really a deeper discussion of like, who's qualified to write nonfiction and like, could the author world become an MLM if we all get so caught up with selling our courses to each other and then selling courses on how to sell courses to other people and then it becomes a never-ending pyramid? Like, it is, like that kind of thing. Um, well, I guess that's, that's the kind of thing where good intentions can create these like toxic systems that are set up. Um, yeah. and, and again, look, this is just my opinion. You don't have to agree with me. Um, but I found that that's one of the reasons why I shifted away from the book community when I joined, because so much of it was this bringing you in with this sense of community. And then, then all of a sudden it became about, you know, let's drag this person for numbers and let mm -hmm. like, it, it became yeah. very negative and very, very sort of that, that same thing that you're saying that like, you know, it becomes about, promoting yourself and then also about trying to cut people down to promote yourself. And I'm just like, yeah, it, it comes I mean, across. I don't know if I'm ethically allowed to comment on that since I regularly do trash people on my channel, but they're not like friends. I, I don't trash people. I know I only trash like people who are, you know, multimillionaires in the business. Yeah, world. yeah no, I know. And that's why I'm like, you don't have to, you don't have to agree <laughs> with me, but like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that, that I've seen. And I think, well, if that was to, sort of find its way into a publishing industry, it could be seriously detrimental for indie publishing. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess in terms of like, yeah. So right now I'm reading this book called Authorpreneur and it's terrible. And that's why <laughs> I'm reading it. Well, I had um, another author tuber sent it to me in the mail because I was like, I don't want to give this author money since I know this is going to be bad. But I knew it was a book that had like a, like a, a, scammy kind of element to it where it's basically it's not about um how to get a story that matters to you out there it's more about why writing a book is a necessary tool for earning extra income as a bit like while you're running a business or it's like very blatantly about how writing books can be a cash grab and well, and i guess there's nothing nothing screams writing a great book like uh, having no point for writing said book Exactly. So it's like, oh, are you, find something you're an expert in and write a book about that because then you'll establish yourself as an expert in that field and then people will want to buy everything you're selling. And it's like, mm, I mean, I, I don't want to be hypocritical because I did just write a small business book, but it's but also But you like, had a purpose. Like I've said straight from reading the beginning, I've said <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like no other book I've read in that genre before. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm so glad you're liking it. That makes me so happy. But that's what I mean. Like you had a purpose for that. So the fact yeah. that you've written a business book is is not the issue. It's the fact that they're writing these books and having no purpose beyond building their own platform. Right. So that I was, I'm reading that. And yeah, the, the, the way that I've noticed sometimes that the author world and the MLM world can intersect, and this is what scares me the most, is when you get 
people whose primary focus shifts away from writing books and shifts towards like selling courses on how to write books and then someone will they'll, will shift their focus from selling courses on how to write books to selling courses on how to start a business where you sell courses and then the person who writes books will be somewhere towards the bottom but then there will just be this massive pyramid of people selling online courses to each other yeah. it drives me insane it's, i really it's hate incredibly it incredibly dodgy <laughs> um but yeah. i have noticed that like not that i'm i'm big in the the writing community or anything but i have seen when you see on twitter and and things like that people running courses or people people um creating these blogs giving advice on stuff and you, you're like are you qualified to give advice on that because it'll be i mean you know says the guy who's running a writing podcast who's never published anything before but you know i'm bringing in professionals and people who know what they're talking about to discuss it but um well but, that comes down to you like when you say you've never published anything i don't know if i believe you on that because um, I feel like the definition of the word published varies wildly based on context. And you put out that whole animated YouTube series. And that was based, that was a story you wrote. I feel like that's a form of publishing. It's a form of like multimedia publishing for the 2020 era. I guess that just comes back to that same thing that, yeah, when I first joined that community, that was not the intent so I don't see it that way I just see it as like a fun thing that I was doing but mm -hmm. I, I guess I, I, under some circumstances it might be considered being published but right well like I used to put I used to draw web comics and put them on tumblr like is that being published I don't know like what, what the word published like does it mean you have to have an ISBN because then like ISBNs you have to purchase so like is that a, like you know what I mean what does what does it mean I don't know. Yeah. I guess I, I guess the definition, definition has changed a lot. Yeah. I would say a work is published when it's out for public consumption, whether for free or for money. If it's out there for public consumption, I would say that's published work. But I mean, someone might disagree with that definition because that could, you know. Well, it wasn't that long ago that, um, that, you know, any kind of indie publishing was seen as not really being published. But yeah, that perception and I feel has like there's been a, a massive lot. shift yeah. over like the last 15 years or so. I feel like that's shifted so much, well, which I is fantastic. Well, I, I think the internet's not possible, honestly. I do. I do. I definitely think that that's made it possible. But I also think um, that the quantity of it has gone up, mm -hmm. but I think that there has been some real quality books that have been independently published whereas it, like the further you go back the more it was like you know uh my 16 volume erotic werewolf fiction like mm -hmm. you know and, and and it was never edited and like you know it was for people it was yeah vanity publishing like was what they would call it um whereas i think now and you see people like um i think christopher paolini started in um in yeah in publishing well i think yeah. he's a great self-publishing success story and i know that he eventually you know got his book bought the rights bought by a traditional publisher after the fact but like you know he was someone who made it work i'm i think he's and a great so young author. too so young i've never read the aragon series it's just not something i'm interested in some people say it's not that good like i really don't care i'm just proud of him that he was able well, to you I was know, actually... put himself out there like that yeah, and, and at such a young age. Like, I was actually um, talking about this with RK Gold, and mm -hmm. we were talking about it, and I said, I actually own all the books because I've been meaning to read them for the longest time. 
but what puts me off is the fact that the first book is kind of just like the story of Star Wars, just oh, okay. told told with a different aesthetic. And I'm like, but I respect the hell out of him for being able to achieve that at such a young age. Yeah. And yeah, also to, to look at an author and say, okay, well, yeah, their first work might be derivative, but beyond that point, they grew into their own thing. I feel like someone like, like Christopher Pellini has almost started off this idea of like treating indie books the way you would treat like indie music. Like, well, when I did that, that um, live stream with Graydon Square on my channel the other week, we were talking about this, how like when he started getting into being an indie musician, he would like just go out and like go like out in public and just try to sell CDs to people face to face and that kind of thing. And like, you know, before people were downloading music online, like that's what a lot of people did who wanted to be a musician, but not have like a record label tied to them. And I feel like he was doing, like Christopher Pellini was doing something similar. He was just going out there and being like, hey, here's a book. Are you interested in it? And it's like, you know, it was kind of using that same model that a lot of musicians have been using for a while. Yeah, no, and, and, that, and that kind of works. And I suppose it works because what a lot of people try in social media is they'll try to, um, you know, create, this social media platform where they just spam people with mm -hmm. advertising and mm -hmm. it's a great idea in in theory um but in reality it doesn't work whereas if you were doing that same spamming in real life it's a different scenario it's completely different yeah oh yeah i've noticed that like well because i'm like, I understand the type of people who would do that because I'm that kind of person. Like, that's why the quarantine hit me so hard because I was selling the majority of my books at festivals and fairs and events and I was selling books and products and all kinds of things there because I love to be the kind of person who just sees people walking through a festival and starts, like, you know, shouting, hey, I've got books about dogs. Are you a dog person? Come check out this table. We've got cute dogs here. I love to just shout that kind of thing. And some people are like, no, I'm good and move on. And other people are like, oh my God, I love dogs. I can't wait to see this. This is so cute. And so that's how I get people's attention. I'm just loud and friendly. And that's, well, what, that's and what's and always worked for me. You've probably done a great thing by picking dogs because like dog people are dog people. Like they're very loyal to dogs. Yes. Dog I'm kind of like, like just are, an animal person in general, yeah. but, <laughs> but I like cats too. I'm planning. I want to add a cat character. Cause a lot of times we'll get people that are like, Oh my God, I want a cat to be in well, the series. I'm like, there will be eventually. I promise. As someone who owns dogs and cats. Um, I think cat people are crazier than, uh, <laughs> than, than dog people. So you've probably got an even bigger audience. Yeah. I've never had a cat, but that's because everyone in my life is allergic to cats. So Except probably, probably for not me, the best move. <laughs> and I like them, but it's a shame. So I like cats, but I don't have one. Oh, and apparently Ari has spoken to Graydon and um, he's keen to do a Star Trek chat. I can't remember if I told you that. I think you um, did. That's so <clears throat> exciting. Yeah. But that's why I was like, I really wanted to do the thing with you about Star Trek today, but I was like... No, we'll wait. It's going to be with the, the three. It's going to be pretty... It'll be way more fun with multiple people. Because you kind of think Star Trek stopped in 1994 and he kind of thinks it goes beyond that. And I still watch everything. <laughs> yeah. So we could all have a really fun time with that. Yeah. So it's going to, it's going to be Honestly, really I haven't given enough of the new stuff a chance to really be as mean about it as I am. I'm just like you an angry old person. You can still be mean. <laughs> Look, and to be honest, you're probably not 
gonna like it anyway. So like you just I'm probably not. It. Although I am willing to watch Lower Decks. That looks pretty cute, actually. Oh, see, that's the one where I watched the first episode and I was like, I just don't think this is for me. Oh, maybe it won't be. I haven't watched it yet because I what? don't know where have, to watch it. I don't have CBS. Have you seen Final Space? No. Oh, because it's kind of like that, but it's not as good. Okay. Okay. But there's I'll a lot of it. like real little nods to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But you might like that side of it. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Cool. Um, so where were we? We were talking about small businesses and oh that's what i was going to say so could you maybe go back and talk more about the points maybe like some dot points about uh, what specifically people should be looking out for with these shady uh, independent presses sure okay so there's there's two different sides to that so when i first mentioned earlier that there's a book mlm i wasn't actually referring to like they're an mlm for the authors i was referring to like there's this company called us born books and it has two divisions it has like one side that's a publisher division which is just a traditional publisher and then it has another side to it which ropes in people to sell their books for them like their books are already written people sell them like they're like mary Kay products they do them and they recruit downlines and they sell them at house parties and things like that super dodgy (laughs) it's yeah so i would say a lot of people don't know that usborn has an mlm side because it has it has a side that's a lot like the scholastic book company in that they'll like sometimes have book fairs at schools and they just have like regular children's books and you might not ever even encounter the MLM side of it. But then if you like someone invites you to their house for a party and tries to recruit you in their downline for it, they have that as part of their structure as well. And a lot of people aren't aware of it. So that's one thing to watch out for is Usborne Books. Another thing in terms of like, if you're an author and you want to avoid getting into a bad situation, um, like I mentioned, one thing to, I think one of the greatest um, threats is not necessarily a publishing company. It's like the courses. It's the people who are like, I can teach you how to to publish and market a bestseller for only $5,000. It's like, oh my God, run away from that. At least I would. Everyone, just a disclaimer, everyone can spend their money however they want. Do your own research, read product reviews. But like, I would personally run away from that. Well, I just, those things kind of, I guess the same as you, they kind of make me angry because it's like, obviously I don't consider doing that. But I think of someone who's seriously in like a desperate position where they really, really want it. And they're going to be preyed upon. I'm like, that's why those particular things make me, make me angry. And that's why I kind of am happy to, to tell people, no, don't, don't, don't. (laughs) Even if you think you want to, don't. Um, Yeah. So I. And then when it comes to like a, a publisher, one, I think probably the biggest red flag you're going to find is if the publisher is going to, both pay you a royalty percentage and also take money up front. That's generally a red flag if it does both of those. Because for example, there can be there can be like a self-publishing service kind of place where maybe it can be kind of like a one-stop shop, you know, like maybe you'll hire this publisher and you'll pay them a couple hundred dollars and they'll design a cover for you. They'll format your book for you and they'll help you with marketing or something. But then you keep a hundred percent of your royalties. Yeah. On the other side, you could have a traditional publisher where you 
um, right, where you, they, they, you don't pay them anything up front, but they pay you a royalty percentage. And if they're a big press, they might give you an advance as well. So there's that. And then if you get a company that's like, I'm going to charge you X amount of money. And also I'm going to take 50% of your royalties. Why? That's ridiculous. They yeah, don't need they're, both. They're double dipping. <laughs> yeah. They don't need to take your money twice. That's ridiculous. So I would say if you have a publisher who's doing that, um, then that's generally a red flag. Now I'm not going to say that they always will be just because like, maybe there's an example out there of someone who's doing this ethically and I'm sure it can be done, but generally I would be skeptical if you come across a company that, that asks you to both pay up front and tries to take some of your royalties. That seems like it's not fair to the author whatsoever. So I would say, no, don't deal with that. Um, so I guess when we're talking about um, the, the negative side of, of independent publishing, or at least, you know, the fact that there are some shady things that you should probably avoid. Um, what, steps would you say you can apply as a small business owner for people to build that that brand and that audience um, online? So if you're going for an online brand, the main thing that I believe in, and I've talked about this in a couple of videos and in a chapter in my book, is the concept of narrow casting. The idea that you're not trying to broadcast necessarily. You're not trying to reach everyone. And the fact that the world has kind of we've had kind of a shift in terms of who is a celebrity to someone else, like who I consider a celebrity. I might have a friend who's never even heard of them because they have a following of, I don't know, 50,000 people rather than having the entire world as their following. And going into it with that kind of mindset of, I'm not trying to be like, if you, if you want to build an author brand, you don't have to say, I want to be the next Stephen King and have every single person ever read all of my books and have millions and millions of followers, because that's just such a lofty goal. And it's, I think in, in the age of the internet where everyone is bombarded with so much information, I don't think it's realistic for most people or really for anyone. I think we're getting more and more to a point where there's redistribution of how much fame and influence each individual person can have. Well, and I think it, it, yeah, it speaks to what you said originally coming back full circle about the fact that fame and wealth seem to be the only attainable goals. Like mm -hmm. if you don't earn $47 million on your first book, you're a failure. Even yeah. though people like Stephen King and, and the like, it's like they didn't earn $45 million on their first book either. Right. Like it, yeah. It, yeah. I think they, they set these goals and these expectations about how it will go and it's just not realistic yeah yeah so i would say find the group of people that you think your work appeals to so for me like for example i found booktube first because i was like i'm good at making videos i enjoy filming and editing things and i need an audience of people who like to read books because i write books so i found the booktube and authortube communities and started getting involved in those. And I started making videos, commenting on other people's videos, interacting, building relationships. And through that, then I started to gain some following on my channel. And from that, people start would watch videos where I'd talk about some of my books and I'd have books linked in the description. And then some people would buy the book because then they'd want to review it on their channel too. So then we'd have a whole thing going with that. Um, so that's where I started was like, that is specifically the audience I want to appeal to. And then 
I mean, honestly, I started making anti-MLM videos. That was not really a calculated move. I've just always wanted to make those. Like, since before I had a YouTube channel, I've um, been interested in exposing some of these companies. So when I noticed that people were starting to make videos about that, I'm like, oh, there's an audience for this. I should, I should start making those too, just totally because I care this. about this topic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I started doing that too. And then... Um, that really tied into my channel being about, you know, a look into a small business owner's life and what I, what I see about, um, what I see as being things that are detrimental to small business owners and things that I see as being good for small business owners and the creative side of, you know, being an entrepreneur and all of that. Well, so that's kind of, it was all about like finding the target audience to start with and then starting to expand and, branch into different topics from there and see what people kind of liked. Well, I think you definitely chose the right um, platform with the AuthorTube community because when you're talking about small businesses and stuff like that, I know that for me personally, I am all over the creative side of things because I mean, you've seen that like mm -hmm. with making videos and, you know, creating like an animated series. I mean, it was terrible, but creating an animated series. I liked it. I don't think it was terrible at all. I, I just, I I'm, I'm super critical of like the animation because I'm not an animator and I did it all by myself. <laughs> so, I mean, you're a way better animator than I could ever hope to be. I like animating and I'm terrible at it. I think your animation's pretty good. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I guess, what I'm saying with that is like, I'm all about the creative thing. Like I turned around and said, Oh, you know, what if we had this short story that was broken up into chapters and put on an animated series on YouTube? Like I've got those creative ideas, but I, I guess one thing I like to talk to you about and see in your videos is this business perspective, because that's something that I'm missing. Like I am no good at business or anything like that. Like I'm all creative and no business. That's how I feel like I was when I started this. And I really, I, I don't know if that's true, actually. I've always enjoyed the business elements of things. Well, you say in the start so, of your book that you, um, you invested in shares when you were like a child. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say you've I been fairly business-minded. Yeah, I went through like a stock phase. I thought the stock market was cool. I loved reading the... And the, that's not the... normal for a kid. So I would say <laughs> that you, you were business-minded from the get-go. Yeah. Well, as a kid, I guess that's true, actually. Yeah, because as a kid, I was always like trying to think of things in a professional context. Like I was like, hmm, I could just like go, I don't know, play with these toys or whatever. I was like... Or I could try to make this little book and try to make it look professional. And then I could draw this diagram of something and try to pitch it to a manager at Toys R Us. And like, none of it was ever successful, but that's just where my mind was always going. I was like, I need to make things and have people want them. Whereas I was the kind of person who had those lofty ideals of, I'm going to start writing a book and everyone's going to love it. And then they're going to ask me to direct the movie. And then they're going to, you know. Oh, I, no, I, I had those ideas I, too, dude. I had all the, yeah, I, yeah, I still get those ideas sometimes. Well, we, 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 I think we can call them fantasies now. Like we don't, yeah. we don't consider them ideas anymore. <laughs> They could be, I mean, if, if you're doing the work, that's the difference between like a fantasy and a goal, I guess, right? Is 
I don't want to, I don't want to plagiarize Rachel Hollis plagiarizing Dave Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> she had this plagiarized quote in Girl Stop Apologizing, which is goals are dreams with work boots on, which is actually Dave Ramsey quote that she plagiarized. And I didn't plagiarize because I just gave credit to everyone involved. However, I do think that, that, Even you know, the ideas, person who plagiarized. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's how good I am at giving credit to my sources, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh. But that, I think that, like, we talk, like, a lot of people think that ideas are worth something. I think ideas are very useless. Ideas ideas are useful for the beginning, but... Well, I guess that's Everybody that has ideas, you know? Not even, everybody puts in ridiculous amounts of work to make the ideas come to fruition. Well, that's right. Well, one of my, one of my personal idols, um, Dolly Parton, uh, yes! she, she, has, she has a song called Sacrifice, and she talks about, you know yeah, I've had heaps of success, but, you know, I've had to give up holidays. I've had to give up time with family. I've had to make so many sacrifices to get where I am. And if yes. you're not willing to do that, then you're not going to have the success that I have. Um, and that's, that's sort of a, a model that I, I sort of hold up to because she came from nothing. So like, there's no nepotism or anything there. She, she came from nothing and she was able to build an empire because she worked really hard. I mean, she's supremely talented as well, and that yeah, helps. Yeah, she's great. But it's it's because she was able to to work towards achieving her dreams, and I think that's the thing um, from a creative standpoint too. That works as well when you talk about so many people have these again lofty ideas of oh, I'm going to make mm-hmm. a 16 book fantasy series and it's going to be amazing. And yeah, it's amazing while it's in your head, but unless you actually put it down on the page and then when you do realize just how hard it is to actually polish it and make it perfect, um, unless you do that step, well, that idea is useless. It's not worth anything. Yeah. I actually, after I started the forever home friends, I start, I realized how unoriginal my idea was. Like I tell a lot of people about, it, they're like, Oh, that's an amazing idea. And it's like, well, I'm glad you think that it's really not though, because when I tell people, you know, I produce books and plushies based on real rescue dogs and their stories of getting adopted. Half the time I'll be at a, an event signing books or something and someone will come up to me and be like, oh, I'm also writing a book about my dog and that kind of thing. And so like people will have these ideas, but it's like at the end of the day, I'm putting in ridiculous amounts of work to make it come to life other people have the idea and maybe theirs will be successful too. I don't know. But other people have told me like, Oh, I've had the idea to do this too. And it's like, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad we think along the same wavelength and I'm glad to meet another dog person. But also it's like, you know, we, we both have the idea, but I I've been building I've it, been putting in the work, I've been building <laughs> it nonstop for three years. So, you know, yeah. that's why, that's why I'm, I'm over here at this festival selling things well and i think that's something to to go off on a slight little tangent that's something to in this current day and age that that people often fall into is this trap of social media like you see someone saying oh my god my book has sold x amount of copies or you know i've got Mm -hmm. this huge advance or i'm signed up to a, a traditional publishing house or something people become jealous and they say, oh, well, why can't I do that? And it's like, what you're not seeing is that person didn't just sit down for two weeks and write a book and then get published. Like there's a lot of work went behind that. And that's not to suggest that the people who aren't successful aren't working either. And I understand that. Yeah. But, but there's so much of this because we want to put our best life forward on social media. I think a lot of people have an unrealistic 
perception of of how things get done yeah and that's why in one of the chapters in hashtag savvy business owner i try to spend i have this whole chapter called screaming into the void where i talk about how ridiculously slow growth in businesses like it is you don't see how slow it is from the outside but what when you're in it it's like constant trial and error it's you try a new strategy and it does nothing and you spent hours or days or weeks or whatever working on that strategy only to then be able to rule it out so then you have to spend more time coming up with something new or modifying it and then you find something that helps you get more sales and it works like a little bit like it increases your sales by a really small amount but it increased them whereas the thing before did nothing so now you're like okay now i have something that helps me a little bit i should do this more and see if it helps me a lot so then you do it more and then eventually you hit a plateau and then you're like all right now i need to do this and try to find a new angle of how i do this and it's just like that with pretty much everything in business is like trying to find new sales trying to find new manufacturers every single thing is that constant trial and error process where it's really really slow before you get to the point where you want that thing to be. And then if you want to grow beyond that, it's also really slow again, it's really slow. And that's, and that's the thing. I think people think of these overnight successes, but there's no such thing as an overnight success. It's like, you just haven't seen the work that went on beforehand. And I guess if I was to relate that to something personal, not that I saw it as a business, but I would equate that to being the same as my YouTube channel when I started it, like, you know, yeah, you see the odd person who maybe shoots up and becomes super successful and you think, Oh, well, why not me? But it's like, but everyone else is in the same boat. Everyone else is going through the same thing. And like, I would, you know, try different things and I tried doing the same things as everyone else and that didn't work. And then, you know, I'd try, um, you know, talking about a few different things and I, I gave a few, unsolicited unfavorable opinions on things and people didn't (laughs) like that um (laughs) it gave me the attention but they didn't they didn't like it um but then yeah then i decided well do you know what i'm going to go off and do something completely different and so i started talking about classics and i started Uh talking about haruki murakami and that got a lot of people coming in and to this day that's that's the biggest topic that people want me to talk about um so you know so and then now even with this again not that it's being treated officially like a business but this podcast is like okay well how can I take this to the next step right so yeah it's kind of like I have a video recently I got 90,000 views on a video recently congratulations well thank you but you know and I gained a lot of subscribers from it but people are like whoa your channel just blew up I'm like dude it did not this was like I had over 300 videos before this on the channel yeah like I was putting out videos like two two times a week plus two live streams every week for like a year at more than i and then when i tell people like um if people are like i'm like oh i was able to pay half of my mortgage out of just my youtube revenue this month people are like oh dude that's amazing i should go start making videos i'm like you can but i but put just be out, aware i've been at this for I put years. out three <laughs> videos a week for an entire year and made nothing I mean, I did that before my channel even qualified to get uh, ads on it. So it's like- And they keep taking your ads off you. They keep, they take my ads away sometimes. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I I make money on YouTube now. If you want to go through an entire year of making videos constantly and putting them up multiple times a week 
and responding to everyone's comments and you know getting really active in communities and collaborating on a million if you want to do that for a full year and make nothing then maybe you'll see a return but if you're going into youtube for the money like don't do that that's really risky no, especially since they keep changing things and then, you know, they get the things that get demonetized are more and more every day. So it's, it's not what I would say like, oh, quit your job and become a YouTube star because it's going to make yeah, you famous. Don't do it's, it. it's not especially a great idea. Like, because if you don't have, like, you sh- if you want to make money on YouTube, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm happy to make money on YouTube. But the problem is that if that's your main goal, it's going to be a problem because burnout happens. Like, I... I was a film major in college. Like I love making videos more than anything else. Making videos is like outside of writing books, making videos is my favorite thing to do. So for me, I was like, oh, I can just make videos forever. And I like talking about books. So I make videos about books. So there was like a reason I wanted to do this out. I was like, even if I never make money, I'll be meeting new people. I'll be building my target audience. I'll be doing all of these other things that are going to help me in the long run. So you need to have another reason outside of wanting to earn money directly through YouTube because that is not easy. Yeah, exactly. Because like, yeah, that's what I said when I joined, that's what I was doing. Um, and, yeah. and I, w- and I, for the first year, I think it was aside from a few breaks, um, was releasing a video every single day that yeah, got nothing. Dude, you were, so it you was were like, doing so much work. It was amazing. Way too much work. Way too and it, much work. <laughs> way too much work. Um, but yeah, like I've got, um, it's nowhere near 90,000, but it's my, uh, analysis of Kafka on the shore, the Haruki Murakami novel. That's at like, I think seven and a half thousand views, which compared that's to the really rest good, of my dude. channel is pretty good. Um, but again, like people might look at that one video and say, Oh, that's, that's great. You know, I'm only getting, you know, 50 views on mine and, and, and it might yeah. seem like a lot, but when you look at the rest of the channel as a whole, it's not that good like you know they, they might see a hundred thousand views or ninety thousand views on your channel but that doesn't mean that every video you put out gets that and i think that's the perception is that once people subscribe they instantly check out all of your videos yeah that's the thing like, so yeah really when i had a way. video that hit ninety thousand views it's not like all my views went up that level i have three videos since i posted that that are under 200 views so yeah and that and that's the thing like that's just what happens sometimes and i think honestly it's people i went through a weird thing recently where a lot of people didn't realize i was still an author tuber and they thought i was just an anti-mlm youtuber because youtube was not giving them notifications for my author tube videos i think like something in the algorithm knows that author videos don't perform that well and just like wasn't notifying people of them so they didn't even realize how many were there yeah so it's really frustrating but i don't know how to fix that well, and that's the thing that um, I saw on Twitter that, um, uh, who was it? It was um, Cam from Page Nomad had said, oh, yeah, yeah. Had said that um, every single video bar one that he made this year was not being sent out or something. Like it was because he's marketed it as not for kids. Um people aren't able to find it or something like there was something because he's not marketed for children, like preschool age children. Um, people are unable to find it. So I think that it's probably now more than ever harder to actually enter that YouTube sphere than it ever has been. Yeah. So I think people need to know that. And like, obviously if you want to join it to find a group of people 
to talk about a particular topic, or even if you want to join it from a business perspective and say, okay, you know, I, I want to find an audience for my product. That's fine too. But just don't expect that that's going to be your sole income because the perception of what you get to what you to what the perception of what you think you will get to what you will get is completely different. Like if you look at, if you look at my channel, like I've had my channel for how long have we both been on there for? Yeah. We started YouTube at like the same time, like end of 2018. So, so two, two years, just about on the cusp of two years, like about Um, almost two years. Yeah. And my monetization, I can say, I think we're not meant to say how much you get from monetization, but no one will care. Are, we, are we not allowed to say that? Oh, I thought there was a thing where you're not meant to say, it, but I don't know. Maybe I just made that I, up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but my monetization, wait for it, drum roll, please. Uh, after two years of putting out videos the first year for every single day, uh, I think I'm at about $13. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in in oh, ad revenue. So, like, yeah, ad revenue does not come easy. No. And that's the thing. Like, it's not, that's not my goal in things. So like, I don't care, but I'm just like, just don't go in expecting that this is going to boost your your wallet. Cause it's not. Yeah. That's, that's definitely the thing. And I, I do think though, that if you are trying to connect with an audience in any way, YouTube is a really good asset. Like I've noticed that if I want to connect with an author or a small business owner or someone who creates something, being able to see them, on camera talking to me um, where I can leave them comments and all of that is just I feel like we're I'm able to you know more closely feel connected to the person as well because for me you know small business owners they like what's nice is that you know you're you're supporting someone or someone's family or something rather than like supporting you know a faceless company with thousands and thousands of stores well pretty much no matter what you buy unless it's a small business you're supporting disney oh my god that's so true (laughs) oh my god i hate disney so much Um, oh my god that's so true but yeah so that's why i like youtube because like on instagram i know you can well you guess you can post videos on instagram now they have igtv but this was before that um but on instagram it's like there's there's photos of people some people that follow you are just doing follow for follow and you don't ever really get to know them and you don't you're mostly just seeing a still image of someone with a caption it's not i don't know to me it's not the same as the connection you get with someone creating a video and talking and showing things and um i feel like you get more of someone's personality that way and well the friends that I have made are people that I've collaborated with like you and, and RK gold and and a bunch of other people too. But like, I sort of think back to our cancel a thon um, discussion where the infamous Mm -hmm. phrase fuck grandma came out. Um, (laughs) Cause that's a thing. So go to YouTube if you want to see that. Um, <laughs> I loved that discussion. That was so much fun. <laughs> we somehow got into we somehow care, got folks. into YA's generic to ah oh, fuck grandma. I don't want to take a walk uh, around. My the garden grandma, with grandma is listening to this grandma that that um uh, AG said that I didn't say that. It, I love you, grandma. If it helps, it was a fictional grandma. The fictional grandma <laughs> wasn't a real helps. grandma. Um, oh my god! But the, no, that yeah, was such the, a fun discussion. The connections that you make are through the people that you consider your friends. Like 
you know, people that you start to talk to offline and it's, it's not about the videos. It's just sort of a way for them to find you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one thing that I've found um, is like, people are happy to talk about the, the books and things that I, I talk about, but it, the, the best people are the ones that will find you and say, Oh, you know, talking to you on discord or something else about, and then you end, you end up talking about nothing for so long that you end up becoming friends. Um, and that's probably my favorite part of using social media to, to build an audience. But one thing that I have found weird, and it happened to me the other day, it's probably happened to you many, many times before, but um, to me, it had never really happened before, but I was talking to an author uh, and asking if they wanted to to do a podcast and um, they turned around and said, Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, no, I know. I know I'm familiar with your channel. And I was like, how? I, I didn't know that anyone was actually listening. So you know, you, you don't That's know how, awesome. f- I, dude, I love those moments. Yeah. You, you never know how far it extends. Cause like, I just sit there thinking that, Oh, just my friends are watching this. Like I don't, you know, and a couple of other people, but you, you don't realize sometimes how far it extends because I am by no means a big creator. Um, but even as a small creator, like people apparently know who I am or one yeah, person knows I who I am. I had such a fun one <laughs> recently so i because i also write articles for music magazines and i was doing i was setting up um with someone who's like a music teacher who was going to be a main source for this one topic we were covering and so i reached out to him over email and he when he replied he was like by the way my wife's a huge fan of your youtube channel and i was like (laughs) what that's wild i love that that is the coolest thing i've ever heard um just like fun coincidences like that that and like a booktuber that i watch tagged me in her instagram story because she was babysitting i think for her niece or something and her niece had princess ally the forever home friends book and she was like my niece asked me to read this to her i realized this is by savvy and like i was just blown away because i was like first of all she had a hardcover which i stopped selling in 2017 like before i even joined booktube so her niece didn't even find out about me through booktube like she found out some other way like it was wild dude that's amazing um but i guess i guess that brings me to another point which comes back like full circle again to what we were talking about before but talking about um having business plans and and things like that and having these lofty goals i think that there needs to be a certain amount of flexibility and i'm sure you can probably speak more to that as as a small business owner but Hmm. there needs to be flexibility to that don't have this solid rigid business plan because sometimes something won't work like step three might not work and you need to start reevaluating the plan um, because you never know where a new opportunity will come up. Because as you say, like people do know who you are and you don't know who they are and you're sometimes asking for something and you know, they will know who you are and say yes. So you, you sort of need to be flexible and, and find different avenues that you can follow yeah i think i think there is there is a lot of value to having a solid business plan when you go into it at least at the very least to have done market research and know where there are gaps in the market versus you know that kind of thing but in terms of what plans you have that you know adaptation is something that's always going to be required and we always like to look at some of the famous um, examples of that like blockbuster going out of business when netflix came in 
and um, like borders going out of business when the like the Kindle and the ebooks started becoming big. Um, so guess, those those I, kind of things is like companies and in a lot of these cases, like in Blockbuster's case, they were warned as Netflix was getting started, like they were in, someone was in a meeting and said, hey, this company Netflix is going to start this new thing where they mail you DVDs to your house rather than having to go to the video store. Are you guys planning to adapt to that in any way? And this guy was like, no, we're going to be fine. We don't need to really change anything. And then they went out of business. And so, then cut to them being yeah. out of business. <laughs> exactly. So like these companies like could see these changes happening but didn't think that there was going to need to be an adaptation. You know, these are huge household name brand companies. And I think like well, even- not anymore. I think, like, I think like even Kodak Film has had, like now that everyone takes pictures on their phone, they've been struggling. If they're not out of business already, I'm not actually sure. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Um, but like things like that. So it's like, for me, this is a much smaller scale because I'm a really small business, but you know, I had to make huge, huge Well, you're still changes. bigger than Blockbuster. We can say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you should put that on a card. Savvy, bigger than Blockbuster. Yeah, I, my business is doing better than Blockbuster is. <laughs> it works really well. I like it. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, but when when this quarantine started, when it, when all everything got shut down in terms of events, in terms of stores closing and all of that, my entire plan for 2020 was wiped out. No, I remember like, that. I remember, yeah. yeah, you had a lot of setbacks with that. Yeah, it, it was really frustrating because I entered 2020 with this plan where I had just gotten a, a loan to get my books bulk printed overseas so that I could start selling them to brick and mortar stores at a wholesale price and still make a profit. And I was going to try to start pitching the book and plushy combinations to stores. And then I also had all of these events scheduled for the year, including big things like BookCon and things like that. So I had a whole thing ready. I had like my whole spreadsheet of like, I'm going to reach out to all these stores. Here's the purchasing manager. Here's how I'm going to contact them. Then this virus hits. All the stores close overseas printing gets shut down in china um uh, all the events get canceled everything i had to change the way i had to change all of it i had to i ended up getting a refund and severing my relationship with the printer and thought you know what i'm gonna i, I want to find a more local printer because i would prefer to support a small business with the printing as well even though that is hard to do because you know, printing can get expensive when you're not doing it in massive quantities, but I'm still going to try to do that. So I severed that relationship and said, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. I, all my events were canceled. I tried requesting refunds from the ones that I could. And then I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to just, I'm going to just go hard at this YouTube channel and see if that gains me a bigger following and helps me with online orders. And so far it has. Um, and I just made a bunch of changes and it's been going well. It's not going as well. Obviously, the year's not going nearly as well as I wanted it to be going based on my original plan, but it's going well enough considering the circumstances. Well, considering the fact that we're in like an unprecedented time. Yes. Yes. So I'm just happy that I'm making money and still in business because a lot of places are really struggling right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, but one thing I did say, and I'd like to hear your perspective on this too, when I was talking to um, RK Gold, I was saying that, um, do you think, though it's obviously not a completely level playing field, do you think that this 
pandemic and the fact that um, people are having to work from home now, does that give you an advantage at all at the moment? Like when, when you say you've got, you know, your platform that you can um, put out stuff to people, if you compare that to someone who works typically in an office building, um, you know, and who, who dealt with a different skill set, have you found that, for want of a better term, uh, the pandemic is kind of like tailor-made to your specific set or probably not because you say that you like to go out there and, and be social. Yeah. I made the majority of my money at festivals, conventions, events, things where I would set up my booth and people would be walking a convention floor or walking through a festival and I would be a vendor. So I made most of my money as a vendor at in-person events. So the pandemic was actually pretty bad for me, but it was I guess I was fortunate in the fact that I also had an online store set up and I was also used to like my online orders were pretty slow compared to my, you know, event purchases. But I guess the fact that I had that available and that I started um, focusing on that side more, I was lucky that I guess I, I had that part I could do as well. So yeah, I guess, as you say before, you, you were kind of lucky. I mean, I'm sure you didn't feel like it at the time because that would have been a massive crushing blow um, yeah. <laughs> having to go through that. But um, you were lucky that you had, you know, a couple of years before started building an online presence as well. Yeah, because without because that- like if, yeah, as like a festival vendor, if I had been like a food vendor and that had been my business, I'd probably be done at this point. But like, I'm someone who does things where I can mail you the things. And right when the right when the social distancing started, I was doing some like free shipping discount codes to be like, hey, none of us can go shopping at the store. So here's some free shipping and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a free shipping code right now, but maybe I'll do another promotion that way soon. So I guess what's your um, business plan kind of moving forward? My plan is, I mean, primarily right now is to continue expanding the online elements of it. We don't, the thing is we don't know yet if or when the world is going to have people going out in public and doing the kinds of events that we used to. I hope that we do within the next year. I think that would be great, as long as it's safe. I hope that we do because there has been a vaccine developed and all of that. I don't don't want people to do that before it's safe to do that. No, of course, Um, yeah. So that's a thing where it's like, you know, I'm being, I'm trying to be very careful because, you know, this, this is a really scary time. Um, So yeah, that's, that's something that I hope happens. And I think, I will, if we do go back to that, I will be better equipped in the sense that I will now have a strong online presence and I still have the in-person sales skills I developed before. So I'll have both of those then. So hopefully I can just kind of double what's been going on. That's the goal. Um, But without knowing when that's going to happen, if it's going to be next year, if it's going to be five years from now, who knows? Um, For now, my plan is to continue going harder at what I've been doing online, making more timely videos, making more complex videos, making more videos showing my process as a business owner and getting people invested in that, um, putting out more books, uh, having more online launch parties and that kind of thing. So that's, that's the goal in the meantime. No, sounds like a fairly solid plan anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I'm hoping, hoping it goes well. 
No, that's good. Um, all right. Well, we might stop it there. Uh, so where can people find you? People can find me a few places um, on the YouTube channel, Savvy Writes Books. That's Savvy with one V, although if you search it with two Vs, it'll still come up. So it really doesn't matter. Savvy Writes Books on YouTube. That's my channel. And on um, Twitter at my uh, Savvy Lizer. And then um, on foreverhomefriends.com. That's my business's website. So that's forever with a F-U-R like fur because they're furry puppies. So <laughs> foreverhomefriends.com. That's where you can find my small business stuff as well.